Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, October 28th, 2022. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me again today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Well, PW's Reckoning of the Year's Best Books is out, Andrew. Always our biggest story of the year, PW's Best Books, always debuts at the top of our most popular stories list, and it stays there until the next year's list comes out. And that hasn't changed in many, many years. I just want to, right off the bat, say congrats to our reviews team for another stellar list. It takes a a lot of effort to put this together. Um, As usual, it features 150 selections in total spread across all the 20 or so categories that PW reviews in. And of course, there is a top 10 list compiled by PW editors, which this year includes a graphic memoir of life on the Canadian oil fields, a look at the life of former FBI director J. Edgar Hoover, and the latest from novelist Namwala Serple, who graces the cover of the issue. It's a really terrific, diverse list. Uh, Congrats, too, to all the authors who made the issue. Uh, as our uh, reviews director, Johnny Segura, says in his intro, hats off, too, to the hardworking publishers who edited, published, and brought these books to market. Uh, you can check the entire list out on the PW website if you haven't already. And I might point out that it also makes a nice handy wish list for holiday giving. And as you say, Andrew, Johnny Segura makes the point, too. But a place on the best books list only follows after much hard work by the authors and publishers who ultimately are featured. Also working hard throughout the year are booksellers, of course. And as we approach the end of 2022, a complicated picture of the state of the industry is emerging. Yeah, I think that's right. A very complicated picture is emerging. And and what I'd say is emerging is a widening gulf between uh, sort of the bottom lines and the top lines of the publishers as we transition out of the pandemic and wrestle with the economic impacts of the post-pandemic. But you know, we can start with first, you know, top line sales numbers. We've you know reviewed numbers throughout the year. And again, complicated, I think, is the word here. You know, for one, I think everyone in the industry expected that book sales would fall in 2022 from the previous levels of 2021, uh, which we said over and over in this program was just an extraordinarily good year. And sales have indeed fallen. Just this week, the AAP released its numbers for July. And, you know, it was a bit of a bloodbath, right? You know, book sales fell 14.9% in July of 2022 over last year. And this, of course, is for the 1,368 publishers who report their financial results to the AAP Stat Shop program. Every category across the board in the AAP survey had a sales decline uh, in the month of July, with adult book sales falling 11.4% and children's down 13.5%. And this is kind of a stunning number. Hardcover books fell off a cliff, down 31.7%. According to AAP stats, through the first seven months of 2022, adult sales are now down 4.1% over 2021. But again, that's actually good news. <laughs> Anytime a 4.1% uh, percent decline is good news, you know you must have had a really good year before. Uh, and that's just the way it is, right? Given last year's massive sales and this year's economic challenges, being down just 4.1%, it really is a tremendous performance in my opinion. And I actually do expect a strong holiday season to wrap up 2022, including a few more blockbusters. For example, I'll just note that this week, Jeff Kinney's new Wimpy Kid book dropped, and he's out on tour now. Yes, an actual in-person tour with a 3 million copy first printing. 
uh, and in a matter of weeks, too, the new Michelle Obama book is going to drop from Penguin Random House, and that is going to be another huge seller. So, you know, between the strong list that I think is exemplified in PW's 2022 Best Books issue and some blockbusters on the horizon to finish up the year, I think the top line, the actual the sales in the publishing industry are holding up pretty favorably. We've talked about supply chain issues since the pandemic began over two and a half years ago, Andrew, but I gather that the logistics gremlins are really starting to show up in the bottom line now. Yeah, and I think in pretty dramatic fashion, too. Um, observers will note that this week we reported in PW on Upstart Callisto Media with another huge round of layoffs, this on the heels of a massive layoff in July. And I think in total, reports put the job losses at over 300, which is you know, a stunning retrenchment for a company that launched in 2011 with huge ambitions and has had some success. Uh, and that's not all. HarperCollins, right? Last week, they announced a small number of layoffs. And we've been hearing, too, you know, about hiring freezes and uh, wage and bonus freezes at other publishers. And look, I think people would be right to question how after two years of steady reports of growth and fat profits, we're starting to go right to layoffs and no raises. I, I mean, it's head snapping. I absolutely agree. But I think a recording provided to PW that shows Callisto CEO talking to staff about the layoffs tells the tale a little bit. And basically, the, the, he says that you know, though Callisto planned for the difficulty of the market that was coming, they didn't anticipate just how challenging this market would be, uh, perhaps the most challenging market in the last three decades. So, you know, for a relatively new company like Callisto, that obviously provides challenges, right? Despite their strong sales growth, raising money in this economy and, you know, getting credit, it's just simply not there. It's just simply not happening. And in a press release, that's exactly what uh, Callisto officials said. They said the instability of the broader market was the issue here. And I can't be clearer than that, right? That's the challenge. Publishers planned on sales dipping in 2022, right? Uh, and I think they're even outperforming what they had thought they were going to lose in sales. And they even strategized about how they were going to handle supply chain issues, and they've done a pretty good job there, too. But I don't think what anybody really foresaw was a 9% inflation rate and massive rate hikes and the kind of unpredictability that now exists. This after two years of strong growth in sales, to have this kind of unpredictability, it really presents a tough set of issues for the publishers to overcome. Uh, and I have to stress the unpredictable, again, nature of all of this. You know, while sales are still strong and you can forecast sales, profit margins are shrinking. And we just don't know what the future holds post-pandemic, you know, in terms of the economy or in terms of whether this virus uh, that, that shut us down for a couple of, for a year at least anyway, but really impacted our life for two years, whether the virus is going to have another resurgence come the winter. So, you know, while I think many of us expected the gains of the last two pandemic years might put publishers on a better, sort of stronger economic footing, it just isn't the case. You know, the top line has grown and the forecast remains pretty good in terms of sales, but the bottom line is taking a huge hit. And there, the reality is there's just no way to forecast how bad economically this can all get. Uh, and one final observation I should add here, too, is that this really is a management challenge for sure. But this is really hitting hard uh, on all the publishing workers out there, and not just the ones who were laid off or are face layoffs. But as we've discussed many times before on this show, the industry doesn't offer particularly strong salaries, and rising rents and gas prices and the surging cost of living are really hitting people doing the work 
hardest. You know, even if you were able to get a four or five percent cost of living increase, which is higher than it has been in previous years, that still leaves you in a huge hole when your bills are up 10 percent. So we've talked a lot about how resilient the industry was over the last couple of years getting through the pandemic. Well, I think we're starting to see some indications that the hardest days are likely yet to come for the book business. And the future of office work is yet another wild card, Andrew. Yeah, and another big deal, something we reported on this week at, at Publishers Weekly, you know, especially, again, for publishing workers, uh, return to work policies, which have been sort of floated out there and pushed off over the last you know year or so. Well, we're starting to see some, you know, backing off of some of the return to work policies, right? It varies across the industry, uh, but we really are starting to see some of the big publishers embrace a hybrid environment, at least for the foreseeable future. You know, Penguin Random House, I think, is an example. They're not calling workers back to the office just yet. And Macmillan this week announced that it will continue its hybrid and remote-friendly work policy all the way through the end of 2023. Uh, employees in Macmillan can choose uh, which days they want to work remotely or if they want to work fully remotely. Uh, Macmillan CEO John Yagat said two things have become clear. One, people want flexibility. And two, that we're still living in uncertain times. And I think both are absolutely true. So I think it's you know time for publishers to focus you know obviously on a longer term vision for the future, and I think the next fourteen to eighteen months can really tell us a lot about where we're headed in terms of you know the bottom line, supply chain, economics, but also remote work. And you know on this topic of remote work, I have to say it really is important. You know workers really are saving money on commuting; uh, they have more flexibility to deal with their families. You know, I think the issue with remote work going forward is going to be how to apply it equitably, right? How do you, you know, for people who are not able to work from home, how do you appropriately compensate them, uh, you know, on par with their coworkers who can work, or do have the convenience, the option of working from home? But look, you know, the industry has weathered the pandemic uh, fairly well, at least the first part of it. Who knows what the future holds? But now we have to weather this next part too, which is the economic challenge and sort of getting the workplace right for the longer term going forward. You know, I think we'll figure this all out in due course. But for now, I think not requiring workers to come back to the office uh, with COVID still an issue and with the economy really an issue, I just think that's good policy. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program today. My pleasure, as always. Coming up on the next CCC podcast, now that many college text materials are available in digital form, publishers and universities are implementing new models for distributing and charging students for them. These new models aim to help more students afford to attend college in their chosen fields of study. Earlier this fall, as part of the 2022 Copyright and Technology Conference, Laura Stevens of Cengage told the audience and me that student demands and expectations increasingly drive the marketplace. I have been at Cengage for a long time, um, over 15 years, and I have watched sort of the high um, cost of print textbooks really sort of very quickly move into... Um, a very loud and vocal demand from constituents at universities and ultimately the students themselves for more um, options, choices, uh, which has been an interesting um, journey for Cengage in particular. One of the things that we started to do about almost 10 years ago now, but you know, seven or eight years ago, was deep student research. 
to understand what they were looking for, to understand more. And we found actually differences between what faculty wanted and what students were looking for. Um, faculty were asking for sort of complicated bells and whistles, very specific things in our digital products, which were extremely expensive for us to support, um, complicated our tech stacks, created a lot of um, additional cost, and students were really looking for choice and affordability. Stability was really important to them. Ease of use was really important to them, and cost was the most important thing to them. Making college textbooks affordable. Next on CCC's Velocity of Content. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening to this Velocity of Content podcast from CCC. Mm-hmm.